All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we are going to be continuing our new series this morning on the symptoms of a hard heart. And we'll be in part two this morning. So just before we get into all of that, just so you know, all of our teachings and uh, Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Okay, we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. We are into a new year, 2022, and we had over $36,000 come into this ministry through people like you. And uh, over the last seven years, we've had over about over a quarter million dollars come in through partners like you, and we want to say thank you. Because through your partnership, we are reaching over 14,000 people each week through our multiple medias that we have on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and many podcasts and whatnot, including our, our website. And so we are reaching people all over the world thanks to your partnership. If you want to know how you can contribute to that and be part of that, uh, you can simply uh, go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, go to our give page, and you can give them anywhere in the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Go to the bottom of every page on our website, and you can find our mailing address. If you're in the United States, just so you know that all your tax donations are tax tax. Excuse me, let me say that again. If you're in the United States, just so you know, all of your donations and contributions are tax deductible, as we are five one c three church. So anyway, um, with that said, we're going to have Bible study tonight at six o'clock. Uh, the Believer's Authority. We're going to resume our Bible study from Wednesday night from a few months ago, and we're going to pick it back up here on Sunday night and, and wrap that up here, uh, and hopefully in a few weeks or whatnot. But anyway, uh, here we are. We're back on schedule. I got a lot to cover this morning, so I'm going to jump right into our message this morning. We're talking about symptoms of a hard heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, Last week we talked about what are we expecting. That's, that was uh, part one. I thought this was going to be a one-part message. But as I continue to pray about this, and I continue to meditate on God's Word regarding the hard heart, I added two more uh, segments to this. And we're going to be going in this morning talking about the drunkenness of heart. Our drunkenness of the heart. And uh, we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Next week... It depends on how long I finish. I don't know if I, ha I will be able to finish everything I have this morning. If not, we'll, we'll pick it up next week with where I, don't, where I leave off. And then after that, we're going to be talking about, in other words, we're going to go to rehab. We're going to talk about, talk about having a drunk heart. And then we're going to go to rehab talking about sober-mindedness. The Word of God has a lot to say about being sober-minded, especially in the New Testament. Especially regarding the last days. And so we need to be sober in our minds. Okay? Well, let's get to back to this week's message. This week we're going to be talking about the drunkenness of heart, or having a drunk heart. Now, some people might not have heard that term before. You know, I've ministered this before to some people. One particular person uh, a few years ago on, on Facebook, I was talking about being, uh, being sober-minded. I was talking about uh, not being drunk of heart, not being intoxicated. I didn't know at the time, or I didn't, wasn't even referring to this person being an alcoholic herself, talking about alcohol uh, from the bottle, I wasn't even talking about that, but she got offended by what I was talking about, and, uh, uh, you know, and I didn't mean to offend her, but I wasn't talking about alcohol. I was talking about being intoxicated in our mind, 
being intoxicated in our emotions and whatnot. Well, we're going to talk about a drunkenness of heart. So let's ask this question first off. What does it mean to have a drunk heart? Okay? If you talk about a drunk heart, what are you talking about, Pastor Dave? What, what's going on? What, what, is, what does this look like? Well, let me... I'm going to spend the whole morning answering that question. <coughs> Excuse me. But let's start off by saying we live in a very busy world. Now, I don't know what parts of the world you may be listening to, from Pakistan, India, Africa, or whatnot. I don't know what your lifestyle is like there and your culture is like there. But here in the West, we are very busy. Okay? Some people are lazy. I get that. But we live in a busy world. Even if you're lazy or people around you are lazy, uh, the world is busy. Okay? And so we live in a very busy world. We live in a very hectic world. I could even rephrase that. We live in a very stressful world. We live in a very fallen world. The world is fallen. Okay? Uh, we're, if we're saved, we're not. We, 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 we've been born again. But the world is still fallen. Okay? And so, because this is true, because we live in a busy, hectic, stressful, fallen world, because that's true, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Okay? It's easy to get overloaded. It's easy to get overcharged. It's easy to get overtaken. And we're going to be talking about this overcharge, overtaking, overwhelmedness that causes a drunk heart. Okay? Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. We're supposed to keep, we're supposed to guard our heart with all diligence. Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. Like I just said, we live in a very hectic, busy, stressful, fallen world. And if we don't guard our heart, we're going we're to find problems. We're going to get overloaded. We're going to get overwhelmed. And we're going to have what I, we're calling this morning a drunk heart. And we're talking about the symptoms of a hard heart. I guess I can rephrase the title of the series the day we're talking about the symptoms of a drunk heart. Okay? And so, <clears throat> in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I've heard this, this passage of scripture, three verses long, all my life. And some of us find encouragement with this, some of us don't even like this reference, because it's like it's, like, it's almost too good to be true. I don't know, maybe we get convicted, I don't know what it is, but we just shy away from this. But Jesus, our Father, our, our Savior, our God, is saying, come, come to me, all you labor are heavy laden. You're burdened, you're overwhelmed. Come, get some rest. This reminds me of the, 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 the uh, Psalm 23. My shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not lie. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And it says, and you will find rest for your souls. What's your, what's a soul? The soul, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this, but it's basically your mind, your will, and your emotions. It, it, it also consider, it's also part of your, your thought life. It's also your heart. Now, the heart is 
complicated. It can be part of the soul, and it can also be part of the. Um, uh, well, yeah, you have your physical heart, but it can also be part of your spirit man too. And and so and that's why it says in Hebrews that the word of God can to, can divide between the soul and the spirit because your heart can be both. But we're talking about the soulish part. And my, well, our spirit, if we're born again, it's perfect. It's not overwhelmed. It's not overcharged. It's not drunk. It's not hardened. But our physical heart, not just our, I'm not talking about uh, your physical, I'm not talking about the heart that's pumping. But I'm talking about your inner man. I'm talking about your mind, your will, your emotions, your, what you think about, what you meditate on. Okay? See, Jesus says, Jesus wants you to walk yoked with him, or yoked to him. Jesus wants us to find rest for our souls. Jesus wants us to learn. There's some things we need to learn. We need to learn how to rest. We need to learn how to chill. We need to learn how to yoke with him. We need to learn from him. He's our teacher. Okay? Jeremiah 17 says this. Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusted the man to make flesh his arm, our strength, and whose heart departed from the Lord, for he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when, they, when good cometh. But shall, not, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in the salt land not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, <coughs> whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, and that spread it out of her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh. For her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. This passage in Jeremiah, I refer to it a lot, and I love this passage, is comparing a blessed man and a cursed man. And there's many attributes between a blessed man and a cursed man, and it all boils down to who are they trusting in? Who are they resting in? Who are they relying on themselves, others, or God? I teach us that both men have a blind spot. That's why I like the King James with this passage. The cursed man doesn't see the good when it comes. It's coming. But he's so stressed out on all the bad. He's so stressed out on the drought. He's so stressed out on what's going on in the world that he can't even see the good. Well, the blessed man also has a blind spot. The King James brings it out. She'll not see when the heat comes. We're talking about drought in this passage. And he's, he's so focused on God. He's so focused on resting in him that the drought is there. The drought is there for the cursed man and the blessed man. The good is there for the good man, the blessed man and the cursed man. They both have the goodness of God. They're both experiencing a drought. But one is focused on the drought and one is focused on God. One's blessed, one's cursed, because of who they're trusting in and who they're seeing, who they're focused on. And going back to our verse of Proverbs, keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issue, or spring out, springs the issues of life. In Luke 21, I'm going to go there in just a moment, but in context, Jesus is talking about the signs of the times, and he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Some people teach from here that Jesus already came again. No. 
He's talking about the structure of Jerusalem. At the same, <coughs> same point in time, I believe there's scriptures here that can be taught. You know, prophecy is that way. A lot of, a lot of prophecies, and especially Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, the minor, what we consider the minor prophets, can be dual. They can speak of that time, but they can also be prophetic of a later time. And I believe some of the things Jesus says, this speaks, because Jerusalem was destroyed uh, at that time. But Jesus is also coming again, and that hasn't happened yet. Okay. And so, and I, I'm not going to teach on that. I can teach on that, and I, I get things, you know, but I'm not going to teach on that right now. But that's the context. That's what's happening in Luke chapter 21. And it's in this context that Jesus says, So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near, and surely I say to you, this generation will not by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with cursing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that, and that day come on you unexpectedly. There's a lot here. We're going to, on verse 34, we're going to spend a lot of time with verse 34. That's going to be our, one of our main texts this morning. But let me continue to read the context. For it will come to you as a snare. What, what day? This, the, the day that, the, this day that he's talking about. We're going to come back to this in a minute. It will come to you as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you, you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I'm going to come back to some of this, especially verses 34 and 35. But I want to, I'm speaking this in connection with our other theme verse from Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows issues of life. Are you following me? Give me some time. Let me, you know, let me get some scriptures out here. And let me get some context out here. And then I'm going to start connecting some dots. Okay? Bear with me. Okay? Don't go, too, don't go deep ahead of me, because then you're going to miss everything I say. Okay? In Matthew, same context. And then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. And because loneliness because will abound, the love of many will wax cold. We're talking about symptoms of a hard heart. We're not talking about end-time events. We're talking about symptoms of a hard heart. But there's some symptoms here, and there's some things about the heart. If we don't guard our heart, the, the, the end-time events will overtake us. And if that will overtake you, another trial, another storm of life, another issue will overtake you if you don't guard your heart with all diligence. Let's continue the context. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. I want to keep this in context with keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. <coughs> Next week, or part three of this message, we'll, we'll spend more time with Philippians 2. But Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but not much now, much more in my absence, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. People have quoted this verse all the time, at least the last, the part that I've had highlighted in yellow. Work out your own salvation. You can't work out something you don't have. 
Salvation is not because of your performance. But now that we have salvation, we can work it out. Salvation is supposed to be a, something that we, we don't work to get salvation, but we, once we have it, we work it out into our life. We work it out into our marriages. We work it out into our families. We work it out into our finances. We work it out into our health. We work it out on our job. We work it out in society and our government and whatnot. We work it out. But most people put a period here where, where God puts a comma or semicolon. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now we're going to spend more time on this next week, or the part three of this message, depending on how far I get today. Okay, so, so just kind of put your bookmark there, we'll come back there later uh, in the series, okay? But we're, we're going to connect this with keeping your heart with all diligence, because out of that flows the issues of life. If you don't understand this scripture properly, you're going to get overwhelmed real quick. Trying to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, not realizing it's God who is at work in you. You will get overwhelmed real quick. Okay? You'll overwhelm yourself just trying to work out. If you're trying to work out something in your own strength, you will get overwhelmed. You'll get, your heart will get overcharged. Now let's go back to Luke real quick. Luke 21, verse 34. But take heed to yourselves. Even that throws people off. What do you mean I need to take heed to myself? That sounds selfish. That sounds self-centered. Hold on. Jesus is talking. Okay? If Jesus is talking, we need to listen. Take heed, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with kerosene, drunkenness, and careless life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. Now I want to take this verse, and I want to read it from the King James. And take heed to yourselves, that at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting, we'll come back to that, drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that the day <coughs> so that, that day will come unto you unawares. We're gonna we're gonna break this verse apart. But let me remind you real quick, we're talking about symptoms of a hard heart. That's what we're talking about, okay? Your heart can get overcharged. That's what the King James calls it. In this verse, your heart can get your heart was not created to take on take in all the things we allow into our hearts. If we do not keep and guard our heart with all diligence, we can get overcharged. Okay, and we're talking about symptoms of a of a of a um, of a hard heart. Today we're talking about symptoms of a drunk heart. Okay, kind of they go hand in hand. Okay, so what's the heart? Again, the heart, again, it can be complicated. It's, it's part of the soul, it's part of the spirit, man. But the heart, the soul, is all in, in context. The context that we're talking about this morning, we're talking about the soul. And the soul, again, is the mind, will, emotions, and even our thoughts. Okay? Jesus said, if we don't deal with these three things, he said in this verse, Luke 11, 34, I think that's the reference. If we don't deal with these three things, our hearts will be overcharged. Our heart will be overcharged with three things. Serpenting, we're going to explain that. Most of you are like, what, a what is that? Well, we'll, I'm glad you asked and we will unpack that word. Drunkenness of the heart and care of this life. We're going to come back to these three things. These three things in the King James of, and Luke 21, 34, I got the chapter wrong. Serpenting, drunkenness, and the care of this life. We're going to unpack those three things in just a moment. But it's... It, 
Verse 34 ends with this. And so that the day comes on you unawares. What day? What day are we talking about? I believe in context he's talking about the last days. And we, if our heart is overcharged, we will be overtaken in the last days if we don't guard our hearts. But it's also, I believe, not just the last days. I believe these same principles are about also about the day of trouble. Some people are already going through tribulation. Or I can also rephrase that, the day of tribulation. Jesus said in John 16, These days I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have tribulation. If we can't handle the tribulation we're going to have, well, we all can experience. Jesus said we will have tribulation in this world. If Jesus said it, you can count it. You don't know when you're going to have to. You don't know when you're going to go to Christ. You don't know when your whole world's going to go upside down. Jesus didn't say you won't have tribulation. Jesus said you will have tribulation. But we're not necessarily talking about the great tribulation, but it could be that. If we can't handle our individual tribulations, what are we going to do with the... If we can't handle the foot soldiers, what are we going to do when the horsemen come? Okay? I mean, you know, tribulation is tribulation. Small, big, or large, it's tribulation. It's not fun, and it will over your heart can wax cold because of the things coming on the earth, or the things coming on in your life. Jesus said it this way: He who builds his house on a rock, when the storms come, there won't be any destruction. But he who doesn't build their house on the rock, when the storms come, the destruction will be great. We need to guard our heart with all diligence. And we need to understand the symptoms of a hard heart. We need to understand the symptoms of an overcharged heart. We need to understand the symptoms of a drug heart. Am I making sense? If we don't guard our heart, call what you want. Drunkenness, hard heart, weak heart, overwhelmed heart, broken heart, uh, wounded heart, whatever you want to call it. If it's broken, it needs to be fixed. Okay? Heart attack? Some of you might not be having a physical heart attack, but you're having the trial of your life. And it's called tribulation. And we need to be prepared for those days. All of us in this life face, will face, have faced, may continue to face a day of trouble. We may have a day of trouble. We don't know when it's going to come. You don't know if it's going to come today. You don't know if it's going to come tomorrow. And I'm not trying to preach a message of all doomsday. I'm trying to help you as a pastor to guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. This can be life or death for some people. This can save you. This can change your circumstance. Change. This can turn your tribulation around. Okay? And all the apostles, Paul, including Jesus, James, Peter, uh, all of the gospel writers said in these last days, there will be perilous times. We were promised that. I mean, it's unanimous of all the New Testament writers that in the last days, tribulation will come. That is not to scare you. That is to prepare you. I'm not preaching fear this morning. I'm preaching faith. You should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? But all of us face things we didn't plan for. 
And you might, something may happen that may catch you by surprise, like a snare. And all of us face things we didn't see coming. You can't always predict everything. You don't know what may happen tomorrow or what's going to happen in the world. Okay? But all of us experience a day of trouble. Okay? Pastor, when you get the good stuff, we're getting there, okay? If the heart is not prepared for a day of trouble, our hearts won't be prepared for the last days. When it's going to be really trouble, tribulation. If the heart is not prepared for a day of trouble, or the last days, however you want to phrase that, the day of trouble will overtake us like a snare. If the heart is not prepared for a day of trouble, the last days will overtake us like a snare. Our hearts can be overtaken when it becomes discouraged, when it becomes disheartened, when it becomes broken, when it becomes wounded. And when our heart is wounded, broken, or any of these things, we need help. We can be overtaken with a broken heart. We can be overtaken with a wounded heart. Jesus still heals the broken hearted. And our hearts can become over, can be broken in a storm of life, a crisis, the day of trouble, or even in the last days. But God gave us his spirit as our helper. God also gave us the body of Christ to help and bear with one another. We are a unit. We are a family. And we're in this together. Okay? But what overcharges the heart? Certainty. Drunkenness of heart. Carriages of life. We're talking about the symptoms of a hard heart. We're talking about the symptoms of a drunk heart specifically this morning. This is what Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 21 verse 34. He, he mentioned these three things. If we don't protect against these things, our heart can be overcharged in that day when it comes. Are you following me so far? <coughs> so what, what in the heck is servitude? <laughs> okay, well, let me just say this. It's used only once in scripture. <laughs> We read it, okay, in the King James, and we don't ever use it. None of us use it. I've never heard this word. My wife, who's almost like a walking dictionary, has never heard this word before. She's very curious to find out what this word means because she is going to learn a new word this morning, okay? It means to indulge in one's appetite excessively. It means to indulge one's appetite excessively. I, let me give you three examples. For example, food versus gluttony. Food is good. If you don't eat food, that's not good. But gluttony, not so good. Starving yourself is not good either. You, you, you can have the stream on either, either side of this. Some people need meat on the bones. Some people need to get some of the meat off the bones. Okay? And I'm not trying to make fun of people. I'm just trying to say there's two sides of this. Okay? But it means to indulge in one's appetite excessively. Another example, not to be crude, 
But sex versus lust are perversion. Sex is a good thing. God made it. God created it. God said it was holy. In the marriage bed. In the marriage chamber. Okay? Between a husband and his wife. God made Adam and Eve. He didn't make Adam and Steve. Okay? There's not, there's not a perversion of it. There's not a lust. There's not an overindulging of one's appetite for something God said was good in its right context. Another example of this, social media versus digital addiction. Some of you might say, <coughs> I don't like social media. If you don't like social media, you can't be listening to me this morning because 99% of our messages are on social media. Social media is a good thing. Most of you are listening on Facebook or YouTube or another social media where we are broadcasting the gospel. But overindulging can be an addiction. There, there's many more examples. I'm just giving you three examples of someone who's indulging in one's appetite excessively. Okay? To overindulge in something is serpenting. Okay? It's very simple once you understand it, but we just don't use our word. Okay? So why do you why do you just say that? Well, I don't know. Ask Jesus. Okay? Serpentine. Again, is to indulge in one's appetite excessively. It can also be self-indulgence or self-centeredness. All of these things that I've mentioned in my examples, if they are done excessively, is selfishness. It's self-indulgence. You are Letting your flesh be God. You're letting your flesh be in control. Instead of having temperance. And temperance is a fruit of the spirit. Self-control. That's what temperance is. Okay? Don't get too deep in this. Okay? We just want to understand what the word means. Okay? Serpentine, in the concordance, it means it has the overtone of a hangover. Okay? I've never been drunk. I've never had alcohol. I've never had a beer. I probably had a little bit of wine or, 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 or um, um, champagne. Very little. I never had nothing to get drunk, okay? It was smaller than a shot glass, okay? And I almost don't even know what that is. But concordance has an overtone of a, of a hangover. Now, I've never been drunk on alcohol, not even close, okay? But I have had a hangover after, after I ate too much. I have had a hangover when I've just been overwhelmed with something. Any of you follow me? Or am I the only one? Okay? Okay. I just want to make sure uh, you're like, after you do what? Okay? You know. But anyway, serpentine is an overcharged heart. And you have to deal with this overcharged heart because it is toxic. Are you guys still with me? Okay? You have to deal with this overcharged heart because it is poison. Again, what is an overcharged heart? Serpentine, drunkenness of heart, and care of life. Let's talk about drunkenness of heart, which is really the theme of this whole message this morning. Many people are literally intoxicated with their problems. I want you to hear me. Because I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this this morning. Many people are literally intoxicated with their problems. Many people are intoxicated with their pains. Emotional pains, mental pains, physical pains. 
Many people are literally intoxicated with their disappointments. Like an alcoholic who is constantly drinking. Like an alcoholic who is excessively drinking. Like an alcoholic who is overindulged with drinking. Many people are literally intoxicated with their problems. They're overindulged with their problems. Hear me good. From sunup to sundown, they sip on their problems day in and day out. They're sipping. I got things like an alcoholic and can't put down the bottle. Okay? They say things like, I can't all day, I can't believe this has happened to me. Or I can't believe uh, no, I, I said it wrong, I got sorry, I got my I was looking at my notes and I wasn't looking at the screen. They'll say things like, I can't believe they did that to me. From sun up to sun down, 24-7 for months, for weeks, for sometimes years, sometimes decades. They are just sipping on that. I can't believe so-and-so did that to me. I can't believe this has happened to me. I can't believe I was so stupid. They can't, some people just can't get over themselves. And they sip on that thing all day and all night long for days, weeks, months, years, a lifetime. They are intoxicated with their problems. You have to deal with this overcharge because it is toxic and it is poison. Okay? We're talking about keeping your heart without diligence because out of it goes issues Sometimes the problem is no longer the problem anymore. It's a broken heart. It's a wounded heart. It's an overcharged heart. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely heart, and I will give you rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and it is light. Meditating on your hurts and problems is toxic. Meditating on your disappointments is toxic. Meditating on your setbacks is toxic. Meditating on your brokenheartedness is toxic. A drunken heart is toxic and it can destroy your life. The problem won't, but your, your broken heart will. Because the problem is no longer the problem. Your broken heart is a problem. We need to be live a life of sobriety in our souls, in our minds, in our will, in our emotions. Okay, in our, in our mind and in our heart. We need to be sober. See, many people are drunk on their problems. And many people can tell me all about their problems instantly. They're so fresh. They can tell me with a passion their problems. Many people can tell me about their problems for hours. But they can't give me one solution in God for two minutes. They are drunk. They are in a drunken stupor about whatever has gone wrong. Whatever they've done wrong, whatever someone else has done wrong, or whatever is going wrong in the world. What overcharges the heart? Let's look at the third thing real quick. We're going to come back to some of this drunkenness in just a moment. But I want these two really tied together. Let's talk about the cares of his life. 
In Mark chapter 4, we have the parable of the sower. We have this, the word of God sown on four different kinds of soil. On the third kind of soil, we have, now these are the ones sown among thorns, and they are the ones who hear the word of God, and they heard the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire of other things, entering in and choke the word, and they become unfruitful. Care, worry, anxiety in our hearts will make the word of God of no effect. Care, worry, anxiety in our hearts will cancel out the power of God's word from changing your life. Many people have sat under the word of God for years, but their lives are not changing. How? Why? If they're sitting under the word of God for years or a lifetime, shouldn't the word of God change their life? But why is that not changing? They are good people. They are doing the good things, sitting under the word. But they are filled with worry. Many of you will not get the impact of what I'm teaching this morning because your hearts are overcharged with worry. Many of you will not get what I'm teaching because you're overcharged with care and anxiety. You are hearing the word, but your heart is overcharged. Your heart is overcharged with fretting and worrying. You have to deal with this overcharged heart because it's toxic and it's poison. Many are drunk on worry. Many are intoxicated with worry. And worry and cares are choking the word of God out of your life. You're hearing it. You might be faithful in going to church, having Bible studies, having devotions, but you are choking on worry. You are in a drunken stupor over worry and over the cares of this world. And just like a drunkard, you need someone out in love to come and slap that you out of that drunken stupor. Not because they're being mean, but they're doing it in love. In other words, they're going to slap you in a, in, a, in a good, holy, loving slap and say, sober up. I used to walk a, watch a bunch, bunch of westerns, and when someone needed to be sober, they threw them in the horse's trough. They had all they drank, drank coffee all night long. They got a bath and got cleaned up and got sober. Okay, we need to be sober-minded so that we will not be overtaken in the day of trouble, so that we will not be overtaken in the last days. Are you hearing me? Amen on me. Many are intoxicated with the affairs of this world. There's a lot of stuff going on in this world. <coughs> a lot of junk, junk, a lot of things going on. And most, some people are drunk on this stuff. People are drunk on the news. And then when the day of trouble comes, they will be overwhelmed. The affairs of the world choke the word of God right out of you. Some people are just so in a drunken stupor over the affairs of the world. Someone needs to slap a laugh at stupor and say sober up. We need to be sober minded so we're not to overtake in the day of trouble. Now let's go back to Luke real quick. 
Luke says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and cares of this life, so that the day come on you unawares. Verse 35, uh, uh, actually, I, I, I get ahead of myself. You know, when Jesus is talking here, it reminds me again of our other verse that we got to, Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly of heart, and I will, you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Symptoms of having a drunk heart. Now, you know someone's drunk. We, you know, when we talk about a drunk heart, when you just think of someone who's drunk. I, have, you, have any of you ever been around someone who's drunk? Now, when I used to work at In-N-Out Burgers, back in the day, every Friday night, Saturday night, a bunch of youth would come and just hang out in the parking lot and drink. They would party in the parking lot. And then that was not serving alcohol, but there were, there were sometimes, we had a small parking lot, but there were sometimes hundreds of people there in that parking lot. And I had to, they sometimes came up to the window after they were drunk, and some of them, I mean, they couldn't even order straight. And eventually some things started, it happened from riots, we, we ended all that. But, at the same point in time, and it was a mess cleaning up that parking lot after we, in two in the morning when we had to close and whatnot, we had to clean up that parking lot, I mean, it was just reeked with alcohol. It was gross. But I met some people during that time that were drunk. <laughs> uh, one time I worked at a, a rental facility where we were renting out buildings, and every once in a while we'd get someone drunk and I had them towards the car. And while, it was, at least it was a long walk from the, the, the banquet hall to the car, because I lie there heading toward the car, I'm trying to coax them not to dr go driving. And while I'm doing that, I'm also uh, calling 911 for some uh, police officer to escort them away from the car. <laughs> and, uh, and so that didn't happen very often, but every once in a while, I would come across some drunk people. So drunk people have, there's three things they're going to focus on just on someone who's drunk, because we're going to tie this into someone who's drunk of heart. Okay? They're disoriented and confused. You might not have met someone who's drunk, but you've seen enough TV where you've seen someone who's drunk, they're disoriented and they're confused. When you get drunk on serpentine, you're overindulging on something, you become confused and disoriented. Okay? When you get drunk on your problems, worrying, I'll get there in just a minute, you get confused and disoriented. When you get drunk on, on worry and care, you become confused and disoriented. Who's the author of confusion? Satan. Not God. When we get drunk on affairs of this world, we can become so confused and disoriented. And any of our lives can dramatically change any moment. Driving us to the edge. See, a few years ago, <coughs> a series of events of a betrayal caused me to edge of a cliff. Now, not a little cliff, but my heart was broken. I had a, we had a, my wife and I, we had a, a cluster of friends who betrayed us and did some horrible things to us. Said some things, spread some false rumor and whatnot, and it hurt. It hurt deeply. And 
I'm not saying some of these things because I'm better than you. I'm saying these things because I've been there. I've been broken. I've been wounded in my heart. And it overcharged me. There's some things that days I never was suicidal, but there's some things I wanted to die. It broke my wife's heart to even say something like that. But I was there. And there were times where my wife had to pull me back from jumping off the edge, so to speak. And even some friends that we still had. Mentors. From just doing something stupid. And during that season, I was confused and disoriented. I had some good days, mostly bad for a season of time. My heart was greatly wounded. And I was in a drunken stupor over what someone or someones had done to me. It broke my heart. It was the worst thing I've ever experienced emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. I was bullied in junior high. I went to, I could tell you story after story. People, some people just uh, can't handle some of the stories I, I experienced in junior high. But that was heaven compared to what I experienced with some of these Christians. But once I sobered up, I realized, what was I thinking? In my reaction to this junk. What was I thinking? Why would I saying some things? Why was I doing? Why would I react in some ways? That was a problem. I wasn't thinking because someone who's drunk can't think. When you are drunk in your heart, you can't think clearly. You can't see clearly. And one of the symptoms of a drunk heart is that you're disoriented and confused, which ties into my next one. When you're drunk, you you have poor judgment. Or poor discretion. See, when someone gets drunk, good judgment just goes right out the window. When someone gets drunk, good discretion goes right out the window. When you get drunk by surfeiting, we lose sound judgment. When you're overindulged in something, you lose sound judgment. <coughs> When you get drunk on your problems and your pains and your disappointments, you lose sound judgment. When you get drunk on worry and cares, you lose sound judgment. When you get drunk on the fears of this world, because you've been watching the news too much, or anything, or any social media, for that matter, you can lose sound judgment. We start making poor decisions. We do things that are even more damaging in our lives. And sometimes we can do something that will actually hurt other people, like a DUI. See, symptoms of a drunk car is disoriented, confused, and poor discretion, but also you're vulnerable. You can easily be taken advantage of or robbed. That's why they have date rape drugs and whatnot. They take a, people become vulnerable. See, to overtake a strong enemy, it would be wise to get them sloppy drunk. For example, I've seen many TV shows, probably too many, but they knew someone was stronger or wiser or whatever to, to, to take advantage of because they were stronger, but to overtake a strong enemy, they would simply get them drunk, intoxicated, and then they could take advantage. They could escape or whatever the case would be. 
See, Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. Through the resurrection, Jesus crushed the head of Satan. The devil cannot hurt you. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you, your, your religion has gotten in the way. You think the devil is hurting you. He cannot hurt you if you are born again. You're like, well, what's going on in my life? And I can tell you, I can show you all the scars where he's hurting me. The devil cannot kill and still destroy you. Unless he gets you drunk. He has no authority. He has no permission to kill, still destroy, unless you get drunk of heart. If the devil can get you drunk of heart, he can overtake you in the day of trouble. And many of us, he has. If the devil can get you drunk of heart, he can overtake you in the last days. I'm tying these two together because depending on how you read that verse, See, it says, and take heed to yourself, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with serpentine, drunkenness, and care of the life, and so that you that, so that they come on you unawares. And uh, verse 35 says, like a snare. I don't have it on the screen right here. See, but Peter says this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your young elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. We need to have people in our lives. We need to have elders in our lives. I'm not just talking about the elders of the church, even though that can apply very well. That's what he's talking about. But at the same point in time, we need to have elders in our lives. We need to have one another in our lives. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that you may exalt, that he, God, may exalt you. You don't exalt yourself, he exalts you. That's okay. When God exalts you, that's a good thing. When you exalt yourself, not so good. Okay? Exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What overcharges the heart? Serpenting, drunkenness of the heart, cares in the side. Worry and care choke the word of God out of your life. You are a drunken super over cares. But we need to be sober-minded so that we will not be overtaken in a day of trouble. And my nose seems like, like they're misconstrued somehow. When we get drunk on the worry cares, we become confused and disoriented. When we get drunk and worry cares, we lose sound judgment. But Peter says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. One of the ways we humble ourselves is learning how to cast our cares upon you. Jesus said, learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's something we need to learn, church, how to cast our cares on him. Are you following me? What cares? All of them. See, one of the ways we humble ourselves is believing he cares for us. Some of us, we might say it, but we are not convinced God cares for us. When I was in my drunken stupor about what Sunday, my wife tried to encourage me that God loves me, but in the moment, I wasn't listening very well. I, in my own natural mind, like, if God loves me, why did all this happen? 
My mind went there. Why did my mind go there? Because I was drunk. I didn't believe he cared for me in that moment. I was a drunk in a drunken stupor, and the enemy was taking advantage of my mind, and my heart was broken. See, pride says, I can work this out. I can do this. That's pride. God says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Pride says, I don't need God in this area of my life. I, he can do all the other stuff, but this area, I got it. That's pride. See, humility is learning how to cast our cares on him. Matthew says it this way. We said it already several times this morning. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and loving heart, and I will find rest. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, the soul is your mind, will, emotions, your thoughts, and your heart. Jesus wants us to walk yoked with him, to find rest for our souls, to learn from him. Have you learned to cast your cares on him? I want you to hear this next part. Or, we're, some of us are trying to cast our cares from him, called prayer. But, in prayer, do you spend more time meditating on the problem versus casting your cares on him? Well, I thought they were the same. No. If you're, some of you call prayer, but you're meditating on the problem, and you're not casting your cares on him. See, some of us in prayer are thinking more about the problem than God and feeling worse. Why? Because you're meditating on the problem still. That's not casting your cares on him. When you cast it on him, you let it go. You leave it there. You walk away from the problem, not God. Okay? Many spend a lot of time praying about the problems and never cast the problems to the Lord. So how do you truly cast your cares on Him? Be sober. Be diligent because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But I want to, I want to, I'm going to say something that, again, some people have a misconstrued perception of this. See, Satan does not have to get permission from God to devour you. Many of us need a, a revelation of grace. We need a revelation of the new covenant. We need a revelation of the kingdom of God. Satan is not going to God to get permission to devour you. Satan is going to you to get permission to devour you. You give Satan permission, not God. We need to resist him, the devil. With steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, he goes on to say, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, established, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We need to resist him. See, we have to learn how to resist the devil. We have to learn how to guard our heart with all diligence. We have to learn how 
to resist yielding to the devil and his deceptions by getting us drunk. Are you, am I making sense? Because we need to keep our heart with all diligence because that will influence this life. We need to be sober. We need to be diligent. Okay? And when we're not sober, that's when he, he's not a lion, but he's like a roaring lion. Seeking him whom he may devour. Who is he going to devour? The one who's not sober. The one who's not diligent. See, what's, what's sober? Let's talk about sober just for a moment. Sober is soundness of mind. Sober is self-control versus serpentine. Temperance versus serpentine. Sober is being sane. It's clear thinking. Am I making sense? It all has to do with the mind. Many of us have innocently yielded our hearts to the world. Or to the devil or to other things. Many of us have innocently yielded our minds to the world. <coughs> our will to the world. Our emotions to the world. And many of us are in a drunken stupor of the heart. If you took a spiritual breathalyzer test, you would not pass. Because you don't have sobriety of the soul, sobriety of the mind. You don't realize how toxic your mind has become, how your emotions have become. We have to learn how to detox our soul, our mind, on a regular basis. Just like you would detox someone off of alcohol, off of drugs, off whatever's going on. We need to learn how to detox our mind on a, on a regular basis. Not just, not just when we get overwhelmed. We need to learn how to detox daily. Otherwise, our hearts will become overcharged when that day comes. We have to learn how to detox our minds on a regular basis. Not just after we, we're... Not, we don't need to wait till we're overcharged. We need to be, learn how to detox daily, or we can be in a drunken stupor on all the toxins of this world. We need to learn how to be sober, which is talking about our mind. Let me say this. Satan cannot overtake you when you're sober. He cannot. He has no authority. He has no permission. He has no power. Romans says it this way, and we'll spend more time here later. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and simple to God, which is reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your soul, your mind. That you may prove it with that good and acceptable for of God. See, let me say this. I want to piggyback on this for a moment. In Christ, you are the strong man, not the devil. If you know who you are in Christ, you are a strong man, not the devil. Many of us think the devil is a strong man. But Jesus stripped him of all his authority at the cross. Jesus stripped him of all of his power. Satan, things had, had been crushed through the cross and the resurrection. We are baptized in the name of Jesus. We have the armor of God. We have the sword of the Spirit. We have the kingdom of God within us. We now have the king of all kings. In Christ, you are the strong man, not the devil. You just need to be sober. You just need to resist him. But many Christians don't see this. And many Christians 
are drunk of heart. And many Christians are drunk of the world. Are drunk on their problems, drunk on offenses, drunk on world events. All of us need to learn how to relate to God in a storm. All of us need to learn to relate to the storm. What did Jesus do? He cursed the storm. He spoke to the storm. He walked on water in the storm. We need to keep our heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Many of us are so wrapped up in the storm. Many of us are so wrapped up in the storm itself. What, what is the storm? We're, we're trying to figure out the storm. We're not in the Word of God to find out what God says about the storm or what God wants us to do or who God is or who we are. We're so caught up in the storm. We're studying it. What is the storm? How did the storm come? What are, the, what are we going to do about the storm? Being drunk about the storm. It's all about the storm. It's all about the problem. It's all about the fist. It's all about things going on in the world. But the God is not even in the conversation. In the thoughts. It is time to learn how to dance in the rain. It's time to rebuke the storm. It's time to walk on water. If you will learn how to dance in the rain, you will overcome every storm in the day of trouble. The devil wants you to get you drunk of heart because Satan cannot overtake you sober. Why am I teaching this? Not just for the problems we're going through now, because in these last days, if we don't learn how to trust Jesus, if we don't learn how to yoke with Jesus, we can be overtaken in the day of trouble. And so many people are, Jesus said, many hearts will wax cold because of the things coming on the earth. Church, as your pastor, you need to have a relationship with God. I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying this to help you. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you have been up all night for too long. You need to get some rest. You need to learn from him. You need to find rest for your souls. Some of you have been holding this, this baggage too long for too many generations. Jesus wants you to walk with it, walk yoked to him, to find rest for your soul, to learn from him. Now let's go to Isaiah real quick. From the new, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I don't remember what I read from that. He said, now go and write down these words. Write them in a book. And they will stand until the end of time as a witness. Sorry, I'm trying to follow my notes here. See, and he goes on and says, that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. See, most Christians are not outright rebels. Most Christians that I've met, even the ones that I don't agree with, maybe their doctrine, I don't, I, I don't, I don't find, I don't see them as rebels. Their teaching might be wrong, what they're believing might be wrong, but I don't see an attitude of a rebel. I don't see they're in a mindset to, to revolt against God. See, most people are not obeying the instructions of the Lord, don't know the instructions. More importantly, they don't even know how to obey them. 
They know they should. Even Matthew 11, come to me who are heavy laden. Most of us don't even know how to do that. Cast your cares upon them. Most of us don't even know how to do that. Some things you can't obey if you simply don't understand them. It's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're rebelling against God. You just don't know how to do it. Something can't, oh, you can't obey if you simply don't understand how to do it. I can't fix your car. I don't know how to do it. You don't want me to fix your car. Okay? Let's get, let's get out there. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. This is New Living Translation. Okay. Please tell me I'm okay when I'm not okay. Please tell me it's right when it's wrong. There's people like that today. Okay. He goes on to say, forget all the gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. This is prophecy right there. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people, they don't want to hear the truth. And I'm talking not just about the world, I'm talking about Christians who don't want to hear it. They want to hear what their itching ears will hear. How many hear them say? That's Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4. See, folks, call me what you want to call me, but I'm not a religious bigot because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. I'm not a religious bigot because only Jesus died for your sins. I'm not a religious bigot because only Jesus is salvation. But Isaiah said, this is the reply of the Holy One of Israel. Because you despise what I tell you and trust and stand in oppression and lies, calamity will come upon you suddenly. Like a bulging wall that bursts and falls in an instant it will collapse and come crashing down. This sounds like the, the, the wise builder who built his house on the rock and who built his house on the sand. Okay? If we keep rejecting God's instructions, the day of trouble will come upon us like a snare. Again, take heed to yourself that at any time your heart be overwhelmed with serpentine, drunkenness, and cares of life, so that the day come on you unawares where it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the earth. Verse 14 of Isaiah. You will be smashed like pieces of pottery, shattered so completely that there won't be a piece of big enough to carry coals from a fireplace or a little water from the well. Verse 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would not have you would have none of it. We need to rest in him to be saved. What's the word saved here? Where well, now we're in the Hebrew, it means wholeness. It means healing. It means prosperity. It means deliverance. What do you need? What do you need? Rest in Him. And find quietness and confidence. Because that's your strength. 
See, Jesus wants us to be yoked to him. Jesus wants us to find rest for our souls. Jesus wants us to learn from him. But we have to be taught. We have to learn how to rest. Let go and let God. So he goes back to even Jeremiah. Blessed is the one who's trusting in God, not man, not yourself. Rest in him. Stretch out your, your uh, well, you shall be like a tree planted by the waters and that spread out her roots by the river. Who's the river? The Holy Spirit. Who wants him to heal the brokenhearted and give you rest. Isaiah 30, go back in. He wants to lead you by the still waters and find rest for your souls. He's your shepherd. Let him be your shepherd. We're going to get into some of this next week. You're not, you don't make a good God. He's a good God. You need to stop being God and let him be God. We'll get into some of that next week. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Holy One. Only return to me and resting in me will you be saved in quietness and confidence is your strength. We have to be taught. We have to learn how to get still and know that he is God. We live in a very loud world. Your, some of your own minds won't turn off at night. There are many voices in the world. There are many voices sometimes in the, just in your head. But we have to learn how we have to learn how to be still, quiet, and hear God. In these last days, it's going to get very noisy. But if we have already learned how to be still and know that He's God, I don't care if the whole world is turning upside down. We can hear our Father's voice and know what to do and how to respond. Resting and hearing God takes work. It takes effort. We need to learn to labor to enter into his rest. It takes labor to get quiet. Elijah thought uh, Jezebel was going to kill him. He hid in a cave. God showed himself in a fire and an earthquake, but it wasn't there. But it was in the still, small voice that he heard God and was comforted. <coughs> it takes labor to still yourself. It takes labor to get before God and hear him and him alone. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The Holy One of Israel. Only return to me and and resting in me will you be saved, and quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said no. You said no. We will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you are going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. Many people are looking to Egypt, the world, instead of God. And their hearts are getting overcharged. They're getting overwhelmed. We're talking about symptoms of a hard heart. We're talking about symptoms of a drunken heart. You said no. We will get our help from Egypt. When we refuse the instruction of the Lord and getting our help from Him, casting our cares upon Him, taking His yoke, which is easy and light, our hearts get overcharged and our enemies start chasing us. 
If you don't learn to take on his yoke, which is easy, his burden is like, your problems will start overtaking you. They'll start chasing you. You won't be chasing the problems. They're going to chase you. When we refuse to come to Jesus to be yoked, our hearts get overcharged. When we refuse to come to Jesus to find rest for our souls, <coughs> when we refuse to come to Jesus to learn from Him, our hearts become overcharged. Instead of us chasing our enemies, we become meaningless casualties in the kingdom of God. And when you are overwhelmed with your problems, you can be of no help to other people in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. Because you are so overwhelmed with your own self. You're so buried. And you're such in a drunken stupor. If, I mean, if you were in a room with some drunkards and the place caught on fire, could you rely on any of those drunken people to help you to get out? No, you can't. You can't. When someone's drunk, they can't help you. Some people, we're supposed to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be reaching the nations. But some of us are so caught up in our problems, our orphanage, our problems, our money, we can't reach the world. You just need, but you just need to get sober. And that's what we're going to get into next week. We're going to be talking about sober-mindedness. We're going to go to rehab. Therefore, Gird up the loins of your mind. 1 Peter 1.13 Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that has brought you to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Titus, by the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and willingness, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present day. Back to Peter. Peter had a lot to say about this. But the end of the, all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Let's talk about the last days. The end of all things is at hand. Be sober. Back to Timothy. This. No. Also. That in the last days perilous times shall come. They're coming. I don't care what, what, what your doctrine is on this. They're coming. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. But what's that? What was that showing? That's not natural. Okay? Truth breakers, false accusers, incontentment, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godness, but denying the power therefore thereof from such turn away. He goes on to say, For well, this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's a lot of people today. They're ever learning. They're always in church. They're always reading the Word. But they're never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's someone who has a drunk heart. Someone who's overwhelmed. Someone who's overindulging in something else. Certainty. Am I making sense? I covered a lot of different things today. I don't know what this is. This is not supposed to be a, a message to get you all in gloom. And, and this is also not a message to get you to a pity party. How stupid I've been. This is the sometimes we just you need someone to kick you to slap. Sober up. 
And I'm not picking on you because I've been there. I showed you my, one of my worst days. I didn't go in a lot of detail about it. Because that was not the, I don't want, I don't want, I could, I, I could spend hours talking about everything that people did wrong to me, but I would go against everything I've been teaching. I don't want to talk all, all day about everything that went wrong. I want to talk to you about all day about what it is to be right. And so, um, you know, I'm here to, next week we're going to talk about sober-mindedness. The Bible has a lot to say about being sober-minded in these last days. We need this, folks. And we need to pay attention to the symptoms of our hard heart. We need to realize when our hearts are drunk, we need to realize when we are not expecting God to do something. That's a drunk heart. Not expecting someone, God to do a miracle in our lives is a drunk heart. Are you following? Am I making sense? Um, and so, I'm out of time for today. I'm, I'm, I, that's all I got. I didn't know I was going to get it all done. And, and actually, it didn't go over too bad. I'm only three minutes ahead when we actually started about three minutes late. So, I'm actually doing pretty good. So, um, but my heart to help us, not just for this day, but also in the days that are coming. And if I, I tell you this, if we will be sober-minded. The devil cannot overtake us, and we can turn the world upside down for Jesus if we keep our minds stayed upon Him. If we guard our heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the life. If we are yoked with Him, Jesus, who we're yoked to, is not going to mislead us. He's not going to fail us. It's like oxen that are yoked together. If we're yoked to Him, we will always know what to do. We will always know where to go. We will always know how to respond. We will always know what. We're yoked to him because he's the strong one, not on us. But most of us are yoked to the, this world. Most of us are yoked to the thing that we're drunk on. Most of us are yoked to our problems. Most of us are yoked to our own wounded and broken heart. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I understand some things that happened to you, and they are horrible. They're beyond horrible. The things that happened to us, they are they were so evil, so wrong, so wicked and mis I mean, I can't there's not a strong enough word to describe it. They were just, they were so disgraceful. Yet, I can choose to be drunk on that or to be sober and be who God's called me to be, do what God's called me to do, and be an overcomer and not a victim of my problems. I don't need to meditate on everything that's going wrong. I don't need to meditate on everything that's going on in the world. I need to meditate on God's word and his promises. This evening we're going to be talking about believers' authority. We have authority. And we need to meditate on who we are and what we have. We need to stop thinking about our problems. Put them to rest. It's time to bury those things. It's time to break the bottle. It's time to... To, to stop it. It's time to drink some coffee and wake up and get some sober. Some of us need to be thrown in the horse's trough. Not because we're trying to be mean and gross, but some of us just need a, a, some shock treatment here. Okay? God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight and then again next week for part three. God bless you.